this is Scott Cantrell. Welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. Like last week, I went through my archives to try to uncover some content that's just been sitting there that otherwise would be, I think, incredibly valuable. I certainly uh, went back through and watched uh, what you're about to see and hear uh, about a week ago and took another two or three pages of notes. You know, so often we learn content, we may even teach content, and it's important that that information stays in front of us so that we can continue to, to leverage it and take benefit and value out of it. And for me, uh, even though it was me presenting this a number of years ago, there was still uh, some worthwhile content in there that I need to get back to. So I hope that it serves you well, just like it has me. Um, I want to invite you to enjoy this presentation that I gave uh, just a few years ago about the topic of productivity and how to get the most out of your given minute, hour, day, and week. Enjoy. I'll get you, Mary. All right. Do what? Look, this is what the people get for sitting on the front row. All right. So I know, I know. That's true. You didn't. We put, we put you there. I'll give you high fives on the break. Okay, fine. We'll do that. All right. Tag, tag the second row. Domino effect. Go behind you. Did we get them all? Yes, well done. There's always a solution. Always a solution. Actually, um, that's a pretty good illustration of some of the things we're going to talk about today. So very good. Here's the, pro here's the productivity paradox. If you can relate to this, say yes. For real, or are you just agreeing with me because I asked you to? No, you really can't? Okay. So the more I do, the more I have to do. So in, in our world, the, the bigger this group grows, the more success that we have. It feels like oftentimes, we're trying to take our own advice here, but it feels like oftentimes the more we do, the more there is to do. And oftentimes that more to do falls on our shoulders because we're not in a position necessarily to bring on new staff. And even if you do bring on new staff, what do you have to do with them? You have to train them. Is that easy? Is it quick? Not unless you bring someone on who already knows all your processes and systems, and are they ever going to know all your processes and systems when they come on first? No. So this is the productivity paradox. What are we to do? If we want to be able to do more with our business, we want to have a bigger impact, but yet when we try to have a bigger impact or when we are having a bigger impact, it ends up being more work on our own shoulders until we hit capacity. And then capacity becomes stress and anxiety and frustration. And then those things ultimately come burnout. And then burnout ultimately just stops us in our tracks. And then who knows what happens? We go on sabbatical for three months and we come back and, you know, who knows? We don't have a business anymore. All right, that's extreme. But the point is we want to make sure that we don't have to face the logjam. We want to make sure that anxiety and frustration and stress are always going to be there. We just want to keep them in check. We want to use them to our own productivity. So here's what I think. <clears throat> Business owners are really good at finding, maybe creating, things that must be done. If you can relate to this, say yes. 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 Me yes. too. Hell yes. Me too. We are really good at finding new things that must be done. The reality is how much in our world 
absolutely has to be done. What'd you say, Andy? Not much. Now, I'm not saying that we can go around and do nothing and expect to you know, be successful. We can't just sit on our ass and say, all right, everything is going to open up and all these great things are going to happen. That's not the way the world works. We do have to work hard. I, this, this is not a remedy for working or working hard. It is going to be a remedy for working hard with less results. How many of you believe that if you're working hard enough now, you should be getting better, bigger results than you are now? We all agree with that, right? I would argue that one of the reasons that we're not getting the impact or having the impact that we want, the bigger, better results, is because we are creating and finding things that must be done. And when I say must, that word really should be in quotes. In our minds, we say, I've got to get that done. That's a must do. But in reality, it's probably not a must do at all. And if it happens to be a must do, if we do create or find a new must do, are we the ones that should be doing it? Probably. Yes or no? No. If we find or create a new must do, is it? do you guys want to add more to your plate or less? Less. Okay, so all things being equal, and I know they're not, but all things being equal, if we find something or create something that must be done, should we be the ones that we assign to do it? No. We should not be, as a rule. I'm not saying that there's not going to be things added to your plate. I'm just saying that, on average, we need to add less to our plate. Or what we add to our plate needs to have bigger, bolder impact for what we do. We, collectively, you, even maybe your team members, are working way too hard for the results that you're getting. Now, some of you are getting stellar results. You're having cr crazy growth, having crazy success. Some of you aren't. Some of you are struggling a little bit more. It doesn't really matter whether you're on you know, this trajectory or whether you're you know, on this trajectory. The point is you can probably get more out of your effort, more out of your time, more out of your investment. So instead, we shouldn't be looking for more that has to be done. We should be proactively looking for what does not have to be done. In society, we're taught and trained to, what else do I have to do? What else should go on my to-do list, right? What, what has to happen this week? What has to happen today? What has to happen this month? We're looking for things to do. We need to retrain ourselves to look for things that we don't have to do, right? What are we doing now that we don't have to do? So I'm going to challenge you. This isn't even in the presentation, but I'm going to challenge you. Instead of uh, have a to-do list, that's great. You need to have a to-do list. Plan your day. We're going to talk more about that. But I would also encourage you to have a stop doing list, all right? So have a list that you maintain, and when something comes up that you're like, I really should not be doing this. Maybe this doesn't even need to be done. It goes on the stop doing list. And whatever ends up on the stop doing list, you automate, you delegate, or you outsource. Boom, ADO. So create your stop doing list. Look for things that don't have to be done. Just do this. You get in the presentation right now. Your stop doing. How many times you did that? And if you looked at it once a week, that in the next six months, you would have real time savings that would be meaningful to you personally and to your business as a firm. You just did the stop doing list for six months. Say yes. If you, and again, this is not. I'm not just trying to get you to agree. If you believe it, say yes. Okay. So uh, who said yes? Raise your hands. All right, Eric. 
uh, I'm going to ask you to estimate your stop doing list and be conservative. After six months of a stop doing list, how much time do you think you could save on a weekly basis, roughly? Roughly, just guess. Be conservative. Yeah, business thing. Every week, how much time? Okay, then I'm done. Because <laughs> I just saved Derek Silverman 10 hours a week if he does one strategy for six months. All right, what does that translate into Eric's productivity in his business? What does 10 hours a week mean? All right, first of all, what could he do with that 10 hours? He could golf. He could spend more time with his family. By the way, Eric is a fantastic family man. I got to meet his family from Baltimore. So cool. Got to meet Gary's family, too. A lot of Gary's family. So the point is, 10 hours a week, and, and I ask to be conservative. I don't know if it's really conservative. But 10 hours a week. So he can that he can reinvest that time back in his business to be more productive, or he can reinvest that time in his personal life. He can just stay at home for some extra hours and, and maintain his level of result that he's getting now. Well, who else? Who else is willing to answer that question? Raise your hand if you said yes to the last question. Mick, you. Awesome. So you could take Fridays off or Mondays off or Wednesdays off if you wanted to, or you could reinvest the day, right? That extra and get 20% more results than you're getting now? Yeah. What are the stop doing activities, right? And so the first issue is be, is having an awareness, right? We find what we look for. We see and we find what we look for. So the first issue is we have to have an awareness of these things that we should not be doing or that we maybe do not have to do. Think about the strategy canvas that Ron just talked about, or the strategy canvas that Nelson showed. There were a number of things in the status quo model that were reduced or just eliminated from the strategy canvas. Now, we did add other things, right? But there are probably things you can just reduce or completely eliminate in your practice right now, maybe, that don't have to be done. Eric just said he said 10 hours a week. Thing. The first issue is being is having an awareness of it, creating that stop to stop doing list. So I talked about this yesterday, and I said that clarity of intention was one of the key parts of having maximum impact in our business. Now, everything I'm going to be sharing with you here is focused on you being a business leader working within your practice, within your firm. But everything I happen to be showing you here, I think with no exceptions can be also applied into your personal life. In fact, how many of you kind of have a very blurry line between your professional and personal life? Say yes. Yes, not everybody, but a lot of us do. As entrepreneurs, as business owners, sometimes the line, we choose for the line to be blurry. Sometimes we don't choose for the line to be blurry, but oftentimes it is blurry. And so everything I'm going to be sharing with you here, again, I think with no exception, can be applied to your personal life, although I am going to be filtering it through for you as a business leader or business owner. So clarity of intention is one of three key parts of having maximum impact. We have to know where we're going. We have to be as clear about it as possible. The questions that we had in our spotlight room yesterday were exceedingly good. And one of the reasons they were exceedingly good, better than average for their spotlight session, was because there was clarity of intention. 
John Clay's question in particular of what CRM is everybody using and why, pros and cons, that is a very clear intention. He came here with the desire to find out what CRM he should use based on his situation, based on the experiences, good, bad, or indifferent of everybody else. That is an incredibly clear intention. And if we have clear intention, we can maximize our impact. But it's just one element. This Bless you, my child. The second, I like how he, he walked into the cubby. He walked into the cubby. Of course, what he didn't realize is the cubby acted as an echo chamber. <laughs> it seemed like such a good idea. To yeah, no, no, it's all right. And yeah, yeah, we've got this whole thing on tape. Yeah, that's true. It's Bart, Bart's got the tape. So clarity of intention is number one. The second one is courage to act. Courage to act. So the word courage is really, really important. We're all actually makers. You would room if you weren't a probably a, a pretty stellar, maybe a five percenter. Right? You're probably not in this room if you're not a five percenter that is in the top five percent of people who are productive and driven and motivated. But even then, it's not so much our ability to act, it's our courage to act. And not just to act, not just to do things, but courage to take certain chances, to take certain actions, to take certain risks. Being a business leader, as you all well know, is a risky business. Sometimes more risky than other times, but the point is you have to have courage to act. It's not just about taking action. It's not even just about taking massive action. Right? We've all heard massive action, and I agree with it. Take massive action, but you have to be courageous enough to take that massive action, and that's key. The third element is a control of your thoughts, control of your mind. That may be the toughest one of all. We can hide behind our actions, and we can say, I worked 60 hours this week. And some of us, myself included from time to time, certainly some people in this room, wear how many hours we work a week as a badge of honor. And when I hear it, it's a reminder to me when someone says, I worked 70 hours this week, I worked 60 hours this week. My question is, what did you get done? What were the results of that 60 hours of investment? Great. I, but I don't care if you worked 30 minutes this week or if you worked 60 hours this week. I want to know what the results were. So we don't need to wear how much time we invest, how much effort we invest, or how much money we invest in things as a badge of honor. None of that matters. The reason that we invest our time, effort, and money is not to brag about investing our time, effort, and money. The reason we invest those things is to get a return, is to get a result. And that, hopefully, is worth bragging about. A lot of you have gotten tremendous results by investing your time, effort, money in a proper way. But we want to control our our thought, our thoughts, our mind. And again, this is the toughest, I, I think for most of us, maybe not for all of us, for most of us, this is the toughest one. Because we've heard the saying, and Nelson's talked about it, that the, the distance between success and failure or results and non-results is really the six inches between your ears, right? It's this, this thing that gets in the way. We can all act. We can all even have courage to take positive action. But we don't want to hide behind busyness because we fail at this. Right? And we don't want to hide behind, well, I had a very clear intent, but I couldn't stay focused on it, so I didn't achieve it. But I had a very clear intent. That whole power of intention thing didn't work for me. 
Well, it would, but that's only one leg of the three-legged stool. So what are the three things? What was the first one? Clarity of? What was the second one? Courage to? And what was the third one? Control your thoughts. If you can do those three things consistently, they're not easy. All right, I'm not saying you can walk out of here, you got it. I, got, I know the three things, so I can do them all. Right? Knowing and doing are, are two different things. But again, awareness is the first step. So now that we have an awareness of what these three things are, when we put them together and we have clarity of intention, what is it specifically? We have courage to do whatever we require to achieve that intention. So I'm going to the rest of the world, unless you're Mick, and then you can continue to why. And then finally, as long as we can stay focused and we can control our minds in such a way that we maintain that clarity of thought, we maintain that motivation and that drive at a mental level and an emotional level, we will have maximum impact. So here it is. You knew you guys were going to get a diagram or something, right? Here it is. There's the diagram. Right in the middle, where those things overlap, is where we have maximum impact. We can have impact in any one of the other three areas by themselves. So having clarity of intent can create impact. Having control of our thoughts can create impact. And certainly just taking action. Taking action, or whether it's the best action or not the best action, taking action will produce impact. But we're not just interested in certain results, right? We're not just interested in maintaining the level of work and getting the same results. We're interested, ideally, in reducing our work and improving or escalating or accelerating our results. Imagine working 50 hours a week and you're getting 100% of your current results. What if you could work 30 hours a week and get 200% of your current results? Much like the uh, value cost trade-off on the strategy canvas, and Mark Frank talks about uh, the direct relationship between cost of benefits, um, you know, cost and benefits, the results of benefits. This is the same way, right? Maximum impact is a function of reducing time and improving results. The two things don't have to be directly related. You don't to invest more time, effort, money to see better results. That is a way to do it, and sometimes you do have to invest those things, but sometimes if it's not a question of investing more, it's a question of proper investment. It's reallocation. So you guys, you know, you're generally financially very successful people. You've got stock portfolios and financial advisors. There's financial advisors in the room. It's not a question of just investing more money, right? It's where you invest it. Same thing here. If you want maximum impact, you have to invest properly. So we're going to do a quick exercise. You all are going to learn a skill. Some of you may already have the skill, and if you do, good for you. Please don't ruin it for everyone else. Uh, if you don't have the skill, the skill is going to be and uh, one that you can repeat. So I'm going to name some items. Okay, I want you to, to think through these items as I name them. I'm going to name them in a particular order. Uh, plate. Plate like a plate. Coat hanger. Backpack, book, plastic bag, tires, fedora. Don't write them down, Mark. <laughs> but I like the way he, he did, you know, I didn't say don't write them down. So he's not breaking any rules. Smart guy. Uh, tires, fedora, socks, banana, and vacuum. These were all things that were in my dream last night. Um, it was a very strange dream. 
<laughs> no, no, these are just random things. Okay, what was number three on the list? Don't ask Mark Snyder, he knows. It was backpack. Uh, what was number eight? What was socks? What was number two? You guys are pretty good at this. Maybe you guys already know this stuff. What about number, what number was plastic bag? Go the other way. It was not six nor four. All right. So you guys are pretty good, actually. Better than average. It doesn't surprise me. We're gonna, I'm going to teach you a skill, again, a skill that some of you clearly may already have. Um, but it is a, a mnemonic device, a memory device, so that you guys can remember lists of things easier. It doesn't matter what these things are. They can be objects, ideas, numbers, people, faces, etc. And we're going to learn this together. Now, I know that this print may be kind of small, especially for uh, the folks toward the back, or certainly very small for the people sitting behind the columns. Um, you may not be able to see it at all, for that matter. So uh, I'm going to go through these one at a time. What we're going to do is I'm actually going to teach you how to remember the order and the, the ten objects and the order of those objects by getting you first to remember ten objects and the order of those objects. So now, in order to remember ten things, you actually have to remember twenty things. Doesn't that sound easier? <laughs> but this is how it works. So we can all count to ten, right? Anybody can't count to ten? Eric Silverman. That's okay. I, I suspect it as much, so it's okay. You just do your best. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, even though that looks like a cupcake, we're going to call it a bun. Okay. One is bun. The two words do what? They rhyme. So one bun. In your head, I want you to count to one, and when you, uh, you close your eyes if it helps, when you see the number one or think the number one, I want you to think of the picture of a bun, whatever, you know, hamburger bun, hot dog bun, whatever bun you want. Other kinds of buns we won't talk about, whatever you want to do, okay? You just need to know the, you just need to know the word bun, all right? Two. Two is, can you think of a shoe when you count to two? Three is tree. Think of a tree when you count to three. Uh, four is door. So think of a door when you see the number four. Five is hive. Think of a beehive. Bees buzzing around a hive in a forest or whatever image you want when you think of five. Six is a pile of sticks, or you can have them laid out. So what is six? Sticks. Seven is heaven. Pearly gates right there. Seven is heaven. Clouds, beautiful. All right. Eight is a gate, like a wooden gate, like a fence or a gate. But think of the word gate when you count to eight. Nine is a line. So you can draw a line. You can think of a fishing line, which is what I do. So think of a, casting a fishing line, pay attention to the line going down into the water. And then 10 is a hen. 10 is hen. Okay. So you got those? So what is number four? What's number six? What's number nine? What's number one? What's number two? So you guys just did instantly what you had trouble doing a second ago. Now it's easy because they all rhyme and we spent some more time on it. But now we're going to apply this to a new list of 10 objects. So here's how this works. Our minds work visually, right? Some of you are more auditory learners, but still our minds work, work visually. So I'm going to give you 10 new objects. None of them repeat from the previous list. And when I give you the, the item, right, in order, when I give you the first item, I want you to imagine that item related to a bun. So if you thought of a hot dog bun, imagine the item laying in a hot dog bun. Or imagine it between hamburger buns and you're biting into it 
and you imagine the feeling and what it looks like and what it feels like to bite into this item that's between this hamburger bun. The more vivid the visual image is, the more likely you are to remember it. Does this make sense? All right, we're going to go through this, and I want you to create your own visual for each of these items. We get the shoe. What's inside your shoe? You try to put your foot in your shoe. You can't because this thing's inside of it. Three, tree, something in the tree, however, leaves falling and object falls out of the tree. What's, what do you see on a door? What's inside the beehive when, you, when you're an idiot and you knock it down with a stick? Uh, what do the sticks spell out in terms of their objects, in terms of the object that you're trying to remember, the six sticks? And then seven, when you open the pearly gates to heaven and you meet uh, God, what does he give you? He gives you this weird thing, this object. All right, eight gate, when you pull back the gate or on the gate, there's a sign and it has the object that you're going to remember when we get to number eight. When you cast the fishing line, which is what number? Nine. When you get to nine, what's at the end of the fishing line? Or what do you pull out of the lake when you catch something, right? What is that object? What is that thing? And then ten, the hen. You saw it laying an egg, but in this case, whatever the object is, is what it's going to lay, all right? So sometimes that hen's going to be in pain. All right. Here we go. I'm going to give you ten items, and I'm going to give you a little bit more time to process the image, get the image clear in your head, all right? Light bulb. Printer, like a computer and a printer. Printer. Storm. Number four is guitar. Number five is pencil. Bear. Rawr. Bear. Park bench. That one's a funny image for me. Uh, fork. Eight is fork. Rolex. That would be cool. And ten, <laughs> a little irony here, ten is bluebird. Okay, most of you had your eyes closed for that, as did I. Uh, what is number three? What's number two? It's number seven. Um, what is uh, light bulb? What? Um, what is uh, pencil? You guys got these weird images in your head, right now. So is anybody having, uh, you, you may not be able to do it instantly like some folks are, but are you able to get the answers in your head even if you're not saying it out loud? If you are, say yes. Do you see how this is useful in real life? <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. If you're trying to remember anything. So you're on your to-do list, how many of you keep a running to-do list, either in a workflow machine or a CRM? So first of all, on your to-do list, how many of you have more than 10 items on your to-do list? Okay, you probably should only have six per day. All right, there's been productivity studies that say put six items on your to-do list per day. I'm talking about the things that you need to knock out, not the things that you're automatically going to do, right? So if you're going to check your email in the afternoon, you know you're going to check your email in the afternoon. That doesn't need to go on your, on your to-do list, right? So, at, so on your stop doing list, stop writing down, check my email on to-do list, right? Don't do that. 
right? So remembering things, remembering faces, remembering numbers. The faster you can access your memory and your recall by using a mnemonic like this, by the way, you can go as high as you want. There are memory experts who use mnemonics to go into the thousands, and they build what they call memory palaces. If anybody watches Sherlock Holmes, you know he has a, a, his mind palace. It's just a mnemonic, a memory device. So the point here about this exercise is less about memory technique, although hopefully it will be valuable to you, and it's more about how to have maximum impact. Clarity of intent. I want to learn how to memorize 10 things. Courage to act. Be willing to learn a new method, a new process. And then control your thoughts. Right? We just learned a new skill in about three minutes that is at least very cool, if not useful. Right? That you can impress your friends and family with. Point is, you can take, you can have massive impact really, really quickly when you know what to do. When you have that clarity of intent. Okay. Let's move on into the meat of the presentation here. Four key concepts I want to share with you. The first one is the concept of high-value activities. You all intuitively and inherently already understand much of what I'm going to present today. So a lot of this won't be brand-new, earth-shattering ideas. My point is not so much into giving you new information. My point today is really to make sure that you're applying information that you already know. Because it's not in the knowing, it's in the doing that we experience maximum impact and results. So high-value activities. Here are the four things that you as a business leader really need to be focused on. And if, as a business leader, you are consistently doing things other than what's on this list, we'll talk about that in, in a moment and how to deal with that. But right now, here are the four things. So strategic leadership, planning, strategic management, looking toward the future, what are the trends, what are the opportunities, what strategic challenges does my firm face or will my firm face in six months or six years, strategic leadership issues, professional education or personal development, I mean, right? You've got to support yourself as an individual as well. Professional education, what's going on in the, uh, what's going on in the industry, what's the latest solution, how could I apply this solution, tell me more. I want to talk to Ron, I want to talk to Bob, I want to talk to Andy about what they're doing, I want to talk to John or Pete. Professional education. Expanding the team. A short word for that is hiring. So expanding your team. Assuming that you're in growth mode and that you want or you want to be in growth mode. Look for expansion opportunities to expand the team. That's your hiring. By the way, this could also be the opposite of that, which is Shrinking the team or firing, right? Also important at the leadership level. So expanding or shrinking the team. And then the fourth one is making it rain. And when I say make it rain, I'm just talking about maximizing the growth opportunities. So whether that's glad handing a potential, process, a potential client or whether that's going and meeting with your top clients personally. Uh, Tim, uh, and I think you all still do this, for the longest time you had personal care of your top what percent of clients that you personally sort of oversaw and made sure that they had contact with you personally? Top 20%. And so this model is, I think, a, a worthy model of, of emulation in, in the sense that it's not that if somebody really, I assume if someone in your book of business really needed to talk to Adrian or to you, they could get access. But you were proactively making sure that the top 20% you saw and that you had established an ongoing personal relationship with, right? They have direct access to you, right? Okay. So that's an example of making it rain. 
as is going out and giving a presentation in front of prospective clients. All right? So that rainmaking piece. Anything else that doesn't fall under one of these four categories, I'm not saying that right now you don't have to do it. You may be in a position right now where you have to do things that aren't on this list. The goal is this, though. The goal is to turn this into the focus and to remove everything else or to delegate everything else, to automate everything else, to outsource everything else. If you're consistently doing a lot of things other than what's on this list as a business leader, then stop it. <laughs> Right? Find ways to not do it anymore. Put those things on your stop doing list and then ask yourself the three questions. How can I automate this? How can I push this further down in my organization so it's not on my plate? How can I delegate it, in other words? And then finally, how can I outsource it? You keep that stop doing list and maintain it, review it on a weekly basis, and then think through the ADO process on a monthly or quarterly basis over the course of six months, you may be saving 10 hours a week or a full day. So, to mix question, where should you spend less time? And I actually want you guys to answer this real quick. I want you to write down three items that you know you're doing now that either you could stop doing right now or that you could reduce what you're doing right now. There are three things, most likely, unless you're hyperproductive, and we do have some hyperproductive people in the room. Unless you're already hyperproductive, there's probably at least three items, and if there's not three, there's one, that you, could, that you should stop doing right now. Either stop doing completely, or that you can at least move off of your plate. So I want you to write that down right now. One, two, or three items. If you have more than three, then write those down. In other words, I want you to go ahead and start your stop doing list right now. A couple more seconds. And if you're having trouble with this, it means one of two things. It means you're already very, very, very productive. You're hyperproductive already. Or it means that you're seeing things that you're doing as things that you have to do that are not things that you have to do, right? So at that point, you're going to want to show... <laughs> you know, what you're doing to a, another partner or talk to Nelson and I so that we can help you, you know, back out of the forest, so to speak. What's number four? What is it? Okay, good. The next concept, remember four concepts. The first one is focus on high-value activities. I gave you the key, four, the key four of those. Next, we're going to talk about finding the domino. Who's familiar with Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek? By the way, th that book is a you know, if you don't, if you haven't read it or you don't have it, go, if you have it, read it. <laughs> if you haven't read it, go get it and read it. Uh, Tim Ferriss talks about finding the domino, finding the one domino. And the one domino, yeah, the, the new book, thank you, the new book is phenomenal. Tim's new book is called Tools of Titans. And what he's done is he's taken all his podcast interviews and he sort of consolidated them down with some of the most hyperproductive and amazing people on the planet, athletes, politicians, celebrities, I mean, uh, people who have achieved at a very high level, personally and or professionally. So Tools of Titans is his other book. But Tim talks about finding the one domino and spending time to identify and find that one domino that if you knock it down, so many other things either fall into place on their own or 
they become irrelevant. The second part of that I think is really, really important. So can, not can, but look for that domino. And there's going to be multiple ones, right? If you knock one of those dominoes down, you go find the next big domino, and you knock it down. So other things are made to fall into place on their own. If I could just get over this hump, then these things happen. Or the other items become irrelevant. We're going to look at some examples of this in your business applied to you in just a minute. So I know right now this is kind of an abstract idea, and you're thinking, Scott, great. How do I even go about finding the domino? And what would, I, what would it possibly look like? I'm going to show you in a minute. Here are the three questions to find your domino. Number one, clarity of intention. What is your desired result? What is it you want? What's the goal or objective that you want? The clearer you can be, the more effective this process is. The clearer you can be, the easier it is to find the domino. By the way, finding the domino is kind of the opposite of shiny object syndrome, which is where we have this line of dominoes, except instead of them lined up so that they knock each other down, they're all lined up side by side, right? And so shiny object syndrome is we knock the first one down. And then we walk to the second one, and we knock the second one down. And then we walk to the third one, we knock the third one down. No one's breaking any domino Guinness World Records doing it that way. Right? What we want to do is we want to take, you like that, BJ? <laughs> we want to take the first domino, and we want to hit it so it knocks the others down. That's the one domino effect as opposed to shiny object syndrome, moving from thing to thing to thing. The second question is what happens or what events must happen to produce the result? Not what actions do you have to take. What events have to happen? Maybe actions you take, but it doesn't have to be actions you take. What events have to happen to produce the result? What events have to happen? Not what do you have to do. It's an important question. It's an important cha change. Normally we ask, what do I have to do to achieve the result? That's a fair question. But first, I need to ask what events must have to happen to achieve the re result, to produce the result. Once I know what events have to happen, then I can decide which ones I do and which ones someone else should do, or which ones may, you know, which ones I can outsource, delegate, automate. Then the last question is, which one event, once you've got this list of events, or you know it, what, what events have to happen, which one event makes the others either irrelevant or, or fall on their own, be achieved on their own? Now you do that first, or you focus on that one event. And if you focus on that one event, you're likely to get the other events at least started. You may have to help them along, right? But you get them started. So here are some examples of what a domino could be in your firm right now. Some of these are not specific. Some of them kind of are. It's Again, your domino is going to be based on your intent, your objective. So if your intent is to, let's just use the, the top bullet point, if your intent is to penetrate into an industry vertical, or if your intent is to start going after 100 to 1,000 life groups, and that's the market you want to play and be in, but you don't have any 1,000 to 100 life groups, well, your first, your big domino, right, is going to be to land one of those, one of those groups. Don't think, don't get bogged down with, I got to get 10 of these groups in the next year, or I want to get 50 of these groups in the next five years. No. The big domino is one. Because one, when you get that one big group or that one industry group, 
you can say, I've got that group. And you can point to it as success in front of your other prospects. And you can ask this person for introductions. And the hub begins. Or the hub and spoke referral process begins. For a lot of you, number two is the big domino. Just protecting your time. Making sure that you're as tightly focused and, and tightly so that you're being proactive. For a, for a lot of you, that is a, that is a big domino. I'm not suggesting that to knock over. Awareness if it's not your intention, if you don't identify it as a domino, then it's never going to fall. Finding a particular fiery company. I know for some of the people in this room that we've worked with for a number of years, firing an employee is a big domino. And for some of you, when you've done that, that has made a big difference. Um, and there's a few others. Uh, you know, a breakthrough, that basket is full of breakthroughs. A breakthrough could be your big domino. It depends on what your clarity of intent was and what events have to happen to produce the result. But if you start thinking about business in this way, suddenly you know that your time is well invested. Um, so I want to stop here because you guys seem, you know, you're paying attention. And I appreciate that. But are we, is this resonating? Is this tracking? Is this helpful? And I want you to be honest. If you're not getting it, I want you to. <laughs> awesome. Where'd that come from? All right. Thank you, Karen. Excellent. If you're not getting it, I want, I want to know because we may not be able to stop right now, but I can follow up with you later and we can go through this in a more detailed level. Yes. Yes, Tony. It's a great question. I think there were several hands go up. Raise your hand again. And, and the reason I want your hands to go up big and high is so that other people around the room, you know, don't look at me. When people raise their hand, look around the room because these are people who have had success with some form of this process that you can call on. Um, in just a second, I'm going to ask one of those guys to mention something. So what's your domino? You've been thinking about this. If, if you've got an idea, and it may be wrong, you may still want to go back through the process and give this some more critical thought. It, it's do this, by the way. You can identify the one domino to push to save yourself days, weeks, months, or even years, then it's worth taking a week or two to figure out what the big domino is if it can save you weeks, months, or years. Agreed? Yes. So what is your big domino, or what is a potential domino in your business? Don't look at me. I want you to write it down. Identify a big domino. And again, if you're having trouble with this, that's okay. This is a new way of thinking. For Nelson and I, we've had a number of big dominoes. One of them was joining our own mastermind group, 
years and years ago, early on in our business, a local small community group that we were just a part of. That group made us write the book. The book created all sorts of opportunities. Specifically, the group created this group. This group in itself was a big domino. And then most recently, a couple of years ago, Ascend was probably our most recent biggest domino. We've had others. These are inflection points in our business. You guys can tra trace your success back to key decisions you made, big dominoes that you pushed over. One of the best ways to do this is to look back at your career. Because you can find the big dominoes when you look back and say, yeah, that was it. I pushed that domino, and that allowed me to have this level of success. So you've done this in the past. You just may not have thought about it and had an awareness of it in this way. All right, third concept, protecting your time or how to give yourself an extra hour every day or maybe two in Eric's case or maybe how to give yourself an entire day, a mixed case, just with the stop doing list. Protecting your time. One of them is the stop doing list. We've already talked about that. This is a great quote, uh, another quote from Dan Kennedy. He was on the screen yesterday, but he's on the screen again today. Most people give more thought to protecting the stuff stored in their garage than to protecting their time. It's been true for me and still is from time to time, absolutely true. But stuff in our garage that, you know, when we clean out our garage, we end up selling it or throwing it away anyway. Why do we, why do we care as compared to our time, which we'll never get back? Can't be replenished, renewed, or replaced. So protecting your time has to be a top, top priority. The more success you have, the more demands on your time there will be. Remember, the more I do, the more I have to do. The more successful you are, the more demands on your time there will be. The more demands on their time that there are, the more you either have to protect it or the more you'll go insane. It's, it's kind of that simple. The more frustrated and more stressed you'll have if you don't do this, that is, a, you know, that is an indirect relationship. And I haven't found a way to, to, to not make it so. Got to protect your time. Let's talk about how. One of the concepts in the book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. Uh, if you've read it, say yes. Good. That's not everybody. So The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes is a book that you need to get and read. Or if you have it, just read it or reread it. He talks about the concept of impact group meetings. How many of you in this group are doing some form of impact group meetings from The Ultimate Sales Machine? Raise your hands high so people can see. Hi, hi, hi. Tim, Julian, Don. There was another one. John. Good. So what an impact group meeting is, is what Chet teaches in the Ultimate Sales Machine, is to take your business and divide it into its key categories, its key divisions. Marketing, sales, management, whatever the key divisions are in your world. It may be based on practices. Ron, in your case, it, it's your divisions and then may have to be separate under your divisions. Identify the key areas within your practice and then set a weekly one-hour meeting doesn't technically have to be an hour, but that's what he recommends. Set a weekly one-hour meeting with the key people in that area, key people in that division. Just those people, not the whole team. Just if it's marketing, it's the marketing people. If it's sales, it's the sales people. Some people will overlap, and you will, of course, overlap. Right? You may end up setting three or four or five meetings. If you have a, a larger firm, larger company with some hierarchy, you may not need to be in every impact meeting yourself. And if you have a larger company, you shouldn't be. Right? The, the manager of operations was a key takeaway yesterday, director of operations. Your director of operations can run some of these meetings and let you off the hook. Anyway, one-hour meetings. 
the whole point of this is to protect your time as a leader or to protect the other leader's time in your organization. And so now, instead of an employee or a person coming up to you and saying, hey, what do you think about this idea? Or I've got this, I've got this problem, this challenge. Instead, you ask the question, can it wait till our impact meeting? And you teach your staff, you teach your team to be able to judge, is this really, really important? Or does it just feel urgent? Or is it just urgent? Right? Is it truly important? Or is it just urgent, but not really that important? In other words, can it wait? And they bring that challenge or that idea, that opportunity, that strategy, whatever, to their impact group meeting, and you encourage new ideas and suggestions from your team. It's built into the process. Chet goes into detail about how to run this meeting. So it's in the book. The idea, again, is to defer interruptions and questions off of your plate and move them into a much more productive forum. This is not about having another meeting to have another meeting. It's not about that. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay? But this is a very productive way to run these meetings. And again, they may not need to be an hour. There you go. Apply meeting rules. So how many of you have stringent, disciplined meeting rules so that when you have a meeting, you, you apply these rules religiously and you know certain things about the meeting? You know the meeting's not going to go long. You know you're going to have takeaways. How many of you have stringent meeting rules right now? Brian, Stephanie, Ron, Don's trying to get there. We're trying to get there, too. We're doing better than we have, but we're not great at it yet. Here are the rules, though. I know the rules. I have an awareness of the rules, right? And Stephanie and Brian, you may have other rules that would be beneficial here, too. So if you do, throw them out. So start and end times. And it's not just having a start and end time. In other words, if you say, we're well, meeting starts at 3. That's not good enough. Meeting starts at 3 and it ends at 3.22. 3.22, we're done. Meeting's over. Okay? Start and end times. An agenda. The more detailed and specific it can be. Sometimes it doesn't have to be specific and detailed, depending on what you're discussing. But the more specific and detailed, the more productive your meeting's going to be, just like with our spotlight seats. Three key roles in the meeting. And one person can play all the roles. Right? But all three roles have to be fulfilled. There has to be a leader. That's the person who's following the agenda, coordinating the conversation. Then there has to be someone who's a timekeeper. Right? Oh, it's 321. we got 60 seconds left. Right? Then there has to be somebody who's taking notes. Relevant notes, not, not verbatim. You don't need a court reporter. Just relevant notes. And those notes are designed to produce this. The next steps with delegated deadlines. Next steps delegated with deadlines. So my sister is a high-level project manager with NASA. <clears throat> so you guys got the really good side of the family. Yeah, here. Uh, so she's a high-level project manager for NASA working on the new space vehicle. This is just my way of bragging on my sister. Um, and she, so she has to, I mean, manage, you know, huge budgets and a lot of people uh, in a lot of ways about a lot of different things. And I, I use daily deadlines. Uh, uh, she says, I got to have a belly button. Right? And I got to have a deadline. So she calls them belly buttons. In other words, who is going to be responsible for that next? I got to have a belly button and I got to have a deadline. Consider standing meetings. And I don't mean meetings that happen on a consistent basis. I mean standing meetings. So they don't take as long and people are ready to get them done. Plus, you get a little bit of exercise by standing up, right? This is a great idea. I haven't implemented this myself yet. Anybody do standing meetings like this? You have a standing office. Uh, okay. <laughs> Got to one-up us. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's excellent. Standing office, very good. Deb, you do standing meetings. Is it effective? Wow, awesome. Okay. So I'm never coming to your office tired. All right, very good. Brian. Brian? Yeah, right. Brian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. How much time did you save just that? Yeah. So the key takeaways there were, um, make sure I don't miss any. The other person sets the agenda. Or the person reporting to you sets the agenda, right? They got to send it to you 24 hours in advance. And then around next steps, they're expected to send out their, their next steps, their takeaways from the meeting. Right. Good, excellent, thank you. Don? Uh, we have a lot going on because of multiple agencies, Interruptions. Yeah. Right. That's excellent. Good. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Excellent notes. And and again, feel free to share these concepts and go deeper with with the people that you're hearing or seeing their hands raised. Um, you know, I'm just giving the service here, but I'm trying to give you all some actionable, uh, actionable content. You're hearing it from your partners, too, so take advantage. Another concept is called Parkinson's Law. This has been one of the most amazing strategies for me personally in terms of my pro personal productivity. A given activity or project will expand in perceived importance and or complexity in direct relation to the amount of time allowed to complete it. So... It's called wellness. <laughs> Touche, yes, indeed. So what this means is if you give a project, uh, if you give yourself two weeks to complete a project, how long is it going to take you, assuming you get it done? Two weeks. Uh, let's say the project was really only a four-hour project. How long should it have taken you? Four hours, 
right? So I'm not saying that you can't, that you've got to carve out four hours in a single day. I'm saying that probably shouldn't have taken you two weeks. If, it, if it's on your plate, it's important. It's not on your plate. If it's unimportant, probably shouldn't be on your plate. Which means that a four-hour project probably shouldn't take two weeks because it's important because it's on your plate. Right? So the, the, the action item here, this is a great concept. I think you all intuitively understand this. But the, 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 I used to write term papers. It was not, not a good example to emulate. And some of you may be able to relate to this in college. I would write my thesis or my term paper or whatever in about seven hours. Guess which seven hours? Right before class, right? The, the whole night, seven hours before my nine o'clock. That's when, so I guess it was a seven-hour project, but a lot of people worked on it for months. I got it knocked out in seven hours. I was tired the next day, but I got it done. This is incredibly powerful. What I would recommend is when you assign a timeline or a, a duration of a given project, try to reduce it by 10 to 20% off the top. So if you say, this is gonna, we can get this done in 30 days, no, we can get this done in three weeks. Right? And just set it. Just set the deadline. Look, here's the deal. If you miss the three-week deadline and it takes you 25 days to do it, you're still 15% sooner than the 30-day option. Right? So shrink your durations of your project time. Does this make sense? This will save you immense time throughout the year. Just You guys, we got to be conscious of this. Just be aware of it. And then follow through with the action. All right. I want you to think through these things. We're not going to take time right now to, to do this exercise, but in terms of planning your time, your impact groups, and Parkinson's Law, I want you to think through what, what your impact groups would be or could be, how Parkinson's Law could be uh, utilized in your firm, etc. Now, propelling your time. Protecting your time, holding on to it. Now, we're going to focus on maximizing it, getting the most out of it, propelling our time. So those of you who are in Orlando or have seen some of the work that Nelson and I have done since Ascend, you'll be familiar with these two key shortcuts. Effectiveness and efficiency are the makeup of productivity and performance. Effectiveness and efficiency. The secret to effectiveness is to model the masters. It's one of the main reasons this group exists. In fact, it may be the reason this group exists, the main reason. second piece is also important. We know what to do, right? We learn the strategy, the concept, the what. Now we got to get to the how, mastering the mechanics. So that's the second shortcut is mastering the mechanics. This is an efficiency. This is speed. This is ease. Effectiveness is a function. Easy is a function, a, a function of uh, effectiveness in our world, the way we're using this. And speed is a function of efficiency. So this will make you better and you won't have to try as hard, it'll be easier. This one will make you faster, which makes you more productive. Right? The more effective you are, the more efficient you are, the more productive you are, maximum performance, productivity, and probability. So two shortcuts I just want to remind you of. Now I want to share with you the no naps principle. Okay? Notice that there's a comma in a very important place. All right? The no naps principle. So who here, so as a kid, how many of you love to take naps, if you remember? How many of you just love to take naps as a kid? That doesn't surprise me, actually. <laughs> Barton Mick, yes, yes. <laughs> it, it's called a siesta. Oh, okay. <laughs> Most kids have this reaction to naps, right? No nap, right? As adults, how many of you would love to take a nap 
in the afternoons. Yeah. How many of you do purposely rest or take some time out in the middle of the afternoon to, to, to take a siesta? Raise your hand. There's not a right or wrong here. Okay. Only a handful of you. Andy does. It goes to something we're going to talk I, about. Well, I read that book, Four Hour Work Week. Yeah, you read Four Hour Work yeah, Week? Yeah, so I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm almost there. Like, I'm up to like three hours. I'm almost. Oh. Like, <laughs> I'm hoping, like, in the next month, it'll be three and a half, and then, then I'll be four and I'm there. And then success. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm getting Uber. All about perception, right? It's all perception. I think Bart's perception is actually pretty good, actually. Um, no naps. Just say no. This is the most valuable time propellant that I can share with you. It's also a protection device, uh, a time protection device, but this is the most powerful one. Just say no. Stop saying yes to things. Stop saying yes to your team. Stop saying yes to your, your partners. Stop saying yes to, and I know there's all these books out right now, say yes for a year and see your life change. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> if I said yes for a year, my life would change. I would be in jail because he's one of my best friends, right? If I said yes for a year, my life would change. He says no a <laughs> So just say no. Am I telling you to say no to everything? No, but now you've got a model. Is it part of your dom? Is it a domino? No. Is it something that is something that you have to do, need to do? If it's not, Say no. Not yes. Ah. Less is more. Saying no creates less is more. Doing less of the right thing, doing uh, less of the wrong things and more of the right things will get you where you want to go. All right. Pareto is at play again. The Pareto principle, also known as the 80-20 rule. So here are a couple of questions. Which 20% of activities or inactivity is causing 80% of the stress you feel about not having enough time. There is, this exists for you right now. Don't tell me it doesn't. I could interview you for 15 minutes and we could find this if you don't believe me. There are 20% of your, roughly 20% of your activities or inactivity right now that's producing roughly 80% of the stress, frustration, or anxiety you feel about always having to do things or always running or not having enough time. Equally, there's 20% of your activities or inactivity that's causing roughly 80% of your success and positive outcomes. Those may be your dominoes, your big dominoes. Ask yourselves these questions. Most of what I'm sh sharing with you today is really just about having a conscious awareness and being willing to ask yourself these questions on a consistent basis. All right. I just ran across this quote. There was a video going around Facebook on the news feed by Goalscast, I think. And uh, there's a, a one minute and 20 second uh, interview with Alfred Hitchcock. And the question is, what is happiness? This was, I just, I just got this a couple days ago. This is huge for me. It resonated for me. It may not resonate for you, but I wanted to share it because it's so relevant what we're talking about. In Alfred Hitchcock's world, happiness is a clear horizon. Yeah. Happiness is a clear horizon. Not having to do anything doesn't mean you don't do anything. It means you don't have to do anything. Right? That's, that's freedom. Right? That's the lifestyle we all want. That's a clear horizon. So one of the ways to clear your horizon 
is by protecting your time and getting more out of your time. So you take those 10 hours or you take that day and you leverage it however you choose. Did I misspell something? Oh, no, 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 no. Did I say Alfred? No, I meant Affleck. Yeah. No, this is not the movie director. No, this is not this is not the movie. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry, Scott. Continue. I hope. I, I hope the I hope the key takeaway from this presentation is not that I misspelled Alfred. Okay. Yes. Does this resonate with anybody? Yeah. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. It does now. Thanks, Clay. This resonates with you, Mr. Boatman, right? Yep. All right. Take naps or meditate. So remember, less is more. Just say no. I'm going to encourage you to take naps or meditate. Andy, we were talking the other day. You talked about a particular strategy that you, you started utilizing. I don't remember how long. Can you sort of just re retell that anecdote of that story about the experience? You don't have the roller coaster. It's interesting you talk about all that stuff. You know, I, I follow a mentor by the name of Darren Hardy on ProRepsolution. Yeah. And he tells you to work your day in 90 hour bar, 90 minute hour bar. And after those 90 minutes are up, rest for 30 minutes. And you get back at it for 90 minutes. Now, it's not going to be perfect every day when you help meet your clients and stuff, but it's a good model. Rest yeah. and recharge. You can't go all day. No. Right. Uh, editor or creator of Success Magazine, right? In fact, I'll just show this quick. Um, if anybody's interested, I buy this book every year, 50 bucks a year. It's called Living Your Best Year Ever. So it helps you set your goals, your vital functions, and then you track your activities every day. The best thing I've ever done. What's it called? Living Your Best Year Ever. Living Your Best Year Ever. Excellent. Thank you, Andy. And it's 50 bucks. 50 bucks a year. One time. Hey, 50 bucks. Annually? Well, you did Hey, if you're if you're nice, we'll all pitch in a dollar and buy you the book. All right, all right. This is about resting. It's about renewing. It's about releasing the crap that comes along. But for most of us, the vast majority of us, our peak hours are in the morning anyway. Right up until lunch. Some of us have different kinds of lunches, so we can try to maintain a higher energy level versus having that downer after lunch. But regardless, this is so important. Whether you do this in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, all three, you've got to take time to rest and renew and release everything. Let it go as best you can. Some things are easier than others, but you've got to meditate or whatever your equivalent is. Right? It's about rest, relaxation, getting recentered, refocused. So you can have that control of your thought and that clarity of intention so that you can support your courage to act. It's vacations too, right? Vacations, yes. So this year for our agency, uh, in our goal-setting guide, uh, 
we put a requirement that you had to take at least one week vacation across all all positions. Yeah. And we will pay ten percent of the cost. Wow. It doesn't matter. Somebody said, "Well, what if I go to Paris and it's six thousand bucks?" Right. Six hundred bucks. Six thousand bucks doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's really hard to get people to unplug for that. I mean, simply working. Yeah. The results that I get when they come back fresh. Absolutely. Yeah. Understand. This is not. Everything we're talking about is investment, right? It's reallocation of your time and your energy in what we're talking about today. That's, that's a reallocation of time and energy in a more fun, productive way. So when they come back, they're much more productive. Tony. I'm a, I'm a logic guy. So there could be a lot of answers in this room, and that's a great question. So I would encourage everybody to descend upon Tony and give him your best answer on the break, which we're about to take in a minute. My answer is this, Tony. My, as, a, as a logician, my answer is um, <clears throat> it's a word. It's a word. It's not like <laughs> afflid. Okay. Logician. Um, my answer is... Are you more productive with the 40 hours or the 80 hours? And, and, and so if I was talking to a loved one or a friend or a coworker and I saw that issue and they were making that excuse, because we all, we all do it a little bit, right? So if I saw that consistently, what I would say is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your 60 hours and I want you to make it 40. And I want you to do that for two or three weeks. Parkinson's laws at play there too, right? They're letting things expand to fill up their whole day, not just their work day. Right. So I'd use Parkinson's law. I would explain that. And then I would say, just do it. Just do it for 40, only 40 hours for three weeks. If if things suck at that point and you're not enjoying life and you're not just as productive or more so, you can go back to your 80 hours and be miserable. Right. If they'll just try it. It's that 21 day habit. Right. That That's my recommendation as a logician. Andy. Yeah. Take a project, put it in the box, put it in the 90 minute box, and put it on the shelf. And you don't think about it until then. Until that day comes and it's in that 90 minute box. You know, I don't think about it. Right, that's excellent. But people don't do that every day to think about it. And they're distracted by everything else. All right, Bill, real quick. Yeah, good. Really fast. Yes, you can. Okay. Uh, I, I read a quote, and it really started, and this was just recently, because uh, I'm, I'm getting really busy in my business, and anyway, so I'm trying to be trying to be more productive. I'm trying to be more efficient, and I saw this quote, and I was like, oh, that's so my problem. I think it was a quote by Elon Musk, who said, uh, he said, don't focus on being busy, focus on being productive. Yeah. 
And I found that when I looked at what I was doing, yeah, I was busy, but I wasn't productive. And you know, and then I thought, like, what does productive mean? And I was like, and I almost defined it as productive to produce stuff. <laughs> Only I didn't say stuff, but in this crowd, I said stuff to productive to produce stuff. So now, at the end of the day, like when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm being productive, I'm focusing on a project and I'm trying to produce a physical product. I'm trying to produce something that that's an actual product that I can touch or see or smell. And so instead of just walking around my office going, "Oh yeah, yeah," and you know, because it feels like you're busy, but you're not actually being productive, and that was. Yeah, busyness. This goes back to the stop doing list, right? What what do I need to stop doing so I can actually get results? I don't care how long it takes. Thirty hours, sixty hours. I want what, what did you get? What was the result? Rudy. Say it again. Fine. This is this is all just to make sure you're paying attention. I don't know how many times I have to say this. So, I did this this morning. It's the last seven hours. It's like a turn. I just told you the story. The D and the E are right next to each other on the keyboard. Thank you, Rudy. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, the real test. What's number four? I got to pull out my list to make sure you get them right. <laughs> Actually, no, I can do it. 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 Uh, pencil. Uh, 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 oh, this was fun. Uh, what is a ro where, Where's a Rolex? What'd you guys imagine, right? Pulling Rolex out of the lake? That's cool, right? That'd be a good day. Well, uh, number one. Uh, what was what was the tree? Uh, what was the uh, six? Bear. What did you guys imagine for bear? What was it? Throwing a bear, throwing six? Okay. Uh, park bench? Seven. Seven. Right. I imagine God saying, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, please have a seat. <laughs> On this beautiful park bench. He does standing uh, meetings. He does standing meetings. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he does, actually. Uh, what, was, uh, what was on the gate? What was the gate? Fork, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then 10, Bluebird. Pretty cool, right? We haven't talked about it. You guys got it. Impact, the power of impact. Making sure you have clarity of your intention, the courage to act, and the control of your thoughts. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that presentation. Um, again, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of gold there. And certainly some strategies that uh, I had kind of gotten away from that I'm looking to reemploy in my own practice, in my own firm to leverage my time better and create a more effective practice from a business development standpoint, as well as from an operational standpoint. Until next time, this is Scott Cantrell wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects, and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, 
Visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete the short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website, and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.